Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all-important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Steve Rockwell is the founder of a new and unique company whose work entails something we all inevitably have to deal with in our lives, finding the perfect resting place for our loved ones. His company, House Martin Memorial Walls, are beautiful sculptural walls that in effect replace the need for space-consuming graves and overcome the issue of scattering loved ones' ashes, which is now deemed illegal. Didn't know that. Made up of marketers, designers and artists, HMW offers families an environmental and sustainable way of creating a beautiful memorial wall where they can remember their loved ones most effectively. This idea is said to be the first viable worldwide burial alternative since Saxon times, which clearly makes it a pioneering alternative to burial. Wow, I don't think we've ever come across anything quite like this before, nor will we ever again. So we absolutely had to have the pioneer of this amazing idea, Steve Rockwell, on the Sandro Forte podcast. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Sandro. I'm I, I'm fascinated to know about this. Uh, when I was first alerted to your business idea, and I know there's a there's a lot more behind the scenes, and you're a man of great experience. But when I was first told about this, I thought, wow, I need to find out about this because I'm connected uh, in all sorts of ways with people that are in the uh, in the memorial business or in the uh, undertaking business, for example, just by nature of what I do in my day job. But where did this idea come from? Before we find out about Steve Rockwell, the man the person behind all this, where did this idea come from? Because you don't wake up in the middle of the night with, a, with an idea like this, surely. You, you don't. Uh, it, it was very personal to me that you start to sit in a number of funerals, as we all do, regrettably, and weddings during the course of a year, and you notice that a lot of things become rather formulaic. Uh, most notably, when you sit in a funeral and you hear a complete stranger deliver a eulogy, you are entreated to sing a hymn that you haven't sung since school, partake in a prayer where maybe you don't have a religious belief and you're sat in some municipal building that is stark and then you maybe enter into the grounds which are overcrowded or unkempt and you think this is a sad legacy to somebody that maybe gave you life, nurtured you, gave you shelter. So I thought there has to be viable alternatives. There have to be people that curate you through the funereal process, but more importantly, into perpetuity, because your final resting place is obviously eternal. So you looked around, did a bit of investigation, and there's probably 10,000 wedding planners in the A to Z of London, but no funeral planners at all. So there's a duopoly of service providers, uh, Dignity, that have a series of independents and the co-op, and they represent 90% of all funeral directors in the UK, and they tend to offer you this formulaic process, which you deem to be heavily legislated and mandated by law, and it isn't. You do have choice. You can make your final parting and then final resting place entirely bespoke, but the options are incredibly limited. In fact, in real terms, they're the same two that were available to you in the Saxon times, which was burial or fire. 
But things have changed recently through law. Uh, you mentioned it in your intro. DEFRA in 2009 did a survey in terms of mercury emissions from crematoriums and it determined that we had to burn finer, we had to burn purer because uh, human remains are now classified as contaminated waste because we live longer and we have stents and we have artificial hips and all sorts of metals within our body, the fine human cremains, as they're ingloriously termed, now contain about 18 carcinogens and phosphate poisons. So it has been determined now that you can no longer, on public land, scatter your ashes. You have to, and it sounds like an oxymoron, bury the urn. So with that as a background and with my general feeling about making something more bespoke and creating a proper legacy for somebody important to you, I started to go through what we could do that would be different. And that's what spawned the idea. I'm, I'm just thinking now of all these people that are reaching for the phone, calling their solicitor and saying, I now need to rewrite my will because I've chosen to have my ashes scattered over St Andrews for example and obviously that's not the case that's a crime. something that was yeah I know something was <laughs> totally new to me so yeah. uh, one of the reasons why I was really interested to have you on the Sandro Forte podcast um, where did the where did the name come from oh well, that that's that's very bespoke uh, we lived in Spain for 10 years and noticed this bird that used to constantly nest in our upper patios and it made a hell of a mess and the, the locals said, no, you mustn't touch their nests because it means they've come back to you because it's serene, it's protective uh, and they are enjoying the protection of your structure and they will constantly revisit you every year unless you mess around with their nests. We came back to the UK and we bought a barn and it, we found out through title deed it was called House Martin's Barn. But I more prefer the metaphor that a bird that goes to a human-made structure which gives him serenity and protection. So there will be having launched in the UK other that will others that will plagiarize and the term memorial wars will become the generic and we want to do something that is a bit more memorable so house martin from the analogy or the metaphor we've just made about the bird is why we want to create that sort of suffix to what the wall does so yes very bespoke to me but also pertinent to the functionality of the wall. Lovely. I'm um, so well thought through then, rather than the 80s pop group that I uh, yeah. assumed it would be. Okay. <laughs> um, right. Let's talk about Steve, the, the guy that sat with me in the studio today, because as we were saying before the show started, you have quite a uh, quite a longevity in the world of marketing and in business. So tell us about where that all started. So background, it's always nice to know about our guests. So, so where did life start for you? Um, is longevity is a euphemism for old? I didn't want to use that word. Okay. But I'm, I'm kind of moving in. I'm, I'm the wrong side <laughs> of 50, so I can say that with a degree of, uh, of, uh, of sympathy. So I, I think when you're a, laugh, a lifetime marketeer, there, there aren't too many things that you get involved in when you go and say that's one for the mantelpiece because it's normally an extension of what has gone before, uh, a different colour of canned sparkling Coca-Cola or a, a different car to be launched to a different niche market or a different product to be tailored to a niche market uh, and you think well this is great but we are just you know repeating what has uh, preceded us so it's a question of you very occasionally you get involved in something that is unique to its uh, sector 
And that's what I've been looking for in my latter years. I was very happy to have a CV that boasted some top brands doing international things, which were multimedia integrated events or experientially based. Uh, and they had success. I mean, in 1985, we were out with uh, David Bailey shooting commercials for Forex in Perth, Australia. And that was a lovely start to a, a long career of stuff. But in a lot of instances, you are implementing someone else's idea. And it's not something that when you leave this planet, you can say, well, that's my legacy. So this is where almost a legacy is a legacy. I mm -hmm. want to do something I can point at and say, I did that. I improved what uh, my uh, surrounds, uh, physical, metaphorical and uh, emotionally. So mm. uh, it was particularly pertinent this year with the loss of my father-in-law uh, and others. You know, a shocking statistic, and I'm not just flogging my product, is that 8 million homes house an urn. And it's in a shed or it's in an attic or it's in a garage because people are not sure of the options available to them mm. or the options available to them are unattractive, bearing in mind that 80% of the market wants cremation over burial. Burial is obviously preferred by four religious uh, orders. Um, human burial in terms of full body burial is a growth market in the UK through Orthodox and Muslim followers. But in the UK, in the main, we prefer cremation. Uh, the municipal opportunities offered to us are scattered in terms of their geographical uh, positioning. And people's drive time now to graveyards and remembrance gardens is increasing. Horrible statistic number one, if you, get, if you passed away in Tower Hamlets, for example, they're burying you in Warwickshire. Really? Yeah. There is wow. a dearth of land available, and because of the restrictions that DEFRA have placed upon the interment, interment or scattering of ashes, um, we are getting further and further afield. The average funeral drive time is about 45 minutes. You are revisiting the venue that staged the funeral, so it's very difficult to have an affinity or an emotional attachment to that area. It brings back the emotions that you experienced during the funeral. So the key differentiator when I looked at what we wanted to build, and I can talk to you structurally about how they work, is where they would be. So the tagline, which kind of says it all, is where your final resting place is your favourite place. So where would you ordinarily visit? Well, it's somewhere that you walked the dog or jogged or mm. cycled or rode or climbed or supported your local team, played your golf. So that was my first challenge. Where could we find places that offered eternity? Um, because there's no point us getting a 10-year lease on something and 10 years later it's got a flat on it mm. and we have to exhume. So we started a long, laborious process of negotiating with the government to look at what recreational spaces they had that would suit our product and have the appropriate catchment. So as a long-winded response to your, uh, your question, I saw a gap, I was moved that it was pertinent to me. I had an, my own issue in terms of a stored urn, and I saw that there was nothing out there that I could see that was appealing. Mm. I'm, I, I just want to touch on something you said, because that was really 
fascinating to me, Steve. Our guests on this show fall into generally one of two categories. One category, which tends to make up the large majority, are people who've got an existing idea, have done very well, and the listeners tend to think, oh, you know, I've got a good idea, but I just haven't done anything about it. Mm. But there's also a big group of people who listen to your story and think, if only I could think of a good idea like Steve did. What advice would you give to somebody that... You know, where, where do these ideas come from? You you said, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I apologise if I'm paraphrasing, but pertinent to you, there was a gap in the market. Are, are those two of the prerequisites to coming up, uh, you know, coming up with a good idea? Yeah, I think a good idea, badly executed, is still a bad idea. So it, you have to take the idea and take it from soup to nuts. You know, the entire four course meal. Um, when I first conceived of how it would work it's not just about where it's in what form what interactivity what new technologies what carbon footprint uh, the consumer opinion so it having a good idea has to be reinforced with uh, an addressable market a consumer demand research and then the very boring legalities of worldwide ip rights you know you've got to make sure that your idea when it goes into the public domain cannot be plagiarised. You want to be the Hoover, you don't want to be the Electrolux. So once you've got out there, hopefully you're synonymous with what the wall is. Ours will be house Martins, everything else will mm-hmm. be an imitation. And the key thing that got me most motivated was the amount of interaction that we could create, virtual interaction, with the deceased. Now, that sounds again like a contradiction in terms, but the key differentiator for us is, yes, it's an entombment device. Yes, it's set within a beautiful sculptural wall made out of stainless steel, which is vandal-proof, weather-proof, hermetically sealed. Yes, it's powered by renewable energies, but the most important thing is that within every casket buried is a QR code. So you take your phone, you wave it in front of the casket, and up comes on your phone or on your computer or sync to your television a life story video of the occupant. You can also, by examining the app's algorithm, you can ask it questions of the wall. Who else was in this wall? Fought in the theatre of war? Who else went to my school? Who else supported my team and you can form communities so every uh, physical box either visiting the wall or visiting the wall online because the wall is 24 hours it's uh, it's on a webcam you can interrogate the wall and have conversations conversations because we're getting people to think about death hopefully and there's 34 million surges a year people saying how do i rethink de- death by pre-planning so if you want to, within your testimonial page, which forms part of your life story, um, put in a lot of FAQs so that people that survive you, not necessarily your immediate family, but your grandchildren, can say, what was it like in 1930s in the Blitz? How did it, in the 40s, sorry, 50s? How was it to survive that? How was it on rations? All of those questions you can pre-program in and you can get an animated response. Animated response, a holographic response, which is the next thing we're looking into. Um, there is technology available now where literally the individual can step out of the wall in three-dimension lifestyle and deliver their own eulogy. This is particularly pertinent because such a high percentage of people now have early onset conditions. Mm. 
and you want to be able to go and we would part of everybody's life story is talking to the person in the present sense and saying you know send a message to your loved ones because that's what people do now we live by these devices where conversation is down interaction is down but the, the quick swipe left or right and you've got a picture a memory and that's what it is to me uh, you're only dead when you're not when you're no longer remembered so if we have these visual prompts, the wall can interact with you, you can interact with the app, you can interact with the website, you can post messages, you can create testimonial pages. We've got a lovely form of interaction. So that was kind of, you talked about an idea, it's thinking the idea through to its end point. And we haven't found that yet. We've found enough that says it could be a wall within governmental land, stately homes, parks, mountains, national trusts, English heritage, Kew Gardens. We've got interest from all parties about where the walls can be set. Um, transferable means as well. So if you're saying none of the 30 or 40 that you've currently got on offer are uh, my best, my favourite, but I'll go into my second best. I'll wait for my best. It might be for all I know, Burnley mm. Football Club. Mm. Well, when Turf Moor comes along, you can be transferred at no cost. Now, what we're offering people is a 100-year lease, fully insured, fully maintained, for a single price that works out about £3 a month. We sell on pre-need finance that we would finance the consumer ourselves. You don't go through any consumer checking. It's at no interest. And it uh, works out about 20 times less than conventional costs. Because what unfortunate thing is that when you look at the uh, immediate and obvious um, obvious things on offer through funeral direction, um, not only are they sort of formulaic and slightly uh, mundane, they're expensive to such a degree that the government's conducting a review because of this duopoly that these mm. two have. So what we looked at is, in going back to your question, thinking the thing through is price point. You know, it has to be attractive. Not only is this attractive because the wall will look beautiful, you can interact with the wall, the wall leaves no carbon footprint, it's technically demountable and removable so it can be moved about the place, it doesn't obstruct public open spaces, it looks fantastic. Um, it also allows the, the occupant to, um, as I say, form a relationship with it and a relationship with other people. You can transport your person from one wall to the next. Um, it's, it's sort of unlimited. So that's what I wanted. I didn't want to say that that's all we've got. You know, we're looking technologically all the time at the things that can be done. Um, lots of people are making movements. Just to talk about some fanciful ideas that are out there at the moment. In Seattle, they are now offering people to turn human bodies into human slurry. Because they're saying, well, you care so much about the, the environment, your remains are contaminated, space is a premium, if you care for the planet, we're going to put you all into a human slurry thing and we'll use you to just give organic regrowth to areas of desolation. That's pretty extreme. Then there's the ones where they go up in a hot air balloon that at 35,000 feet, which is international airspace, will just dump the ashes over the side of the balloon. Not sure how you revisit that spot. Um, that's proper scattering. That's real <laughs> scattering. And then they talk about um, urns where they mix the ashes with fertilised soil and they plant them in a forest and that becomes a tree. Well, yes, but trees, unfortunately, only a very small percentage reach maturity. And then on what land do they sit? How can you revisit it? Is you, have you got a GPS? Is it that tree or that tree? You know. So how do you interact with a tree? I mean, I know Prince Charles likes to hug a tree, but <laughs> there's no real technology involved in a tree. So we looked at that 
and we thought, well, if people are worried about public spaces in terms they want something more intimate, then we have sculptural and bench versions that can sit in people's gardens. So that's, you know, as you move from A to B, you take the bench with you or the sculpture with you. And then there's other people saying, well, but he's still outside. The bit about the urn being inside, it's still quite personal. I said, it is personal, but it's... To make it even more personal, we've come up with a printing method that allows you to transfer... You take a visual of the deceased, you transfer it onto a glued substance, you then sprinkle the ashes, and it forms, like here's the reveal, it forms a beautiful uh, caricature, or uh, well, depending on which uh, version of artistic finish you choose. And that in itself can then be resin uh, sealed, so you can't damage it. It still has the QR code, but that sits as a piece of artwork in your lounge. So it's the actual remains of your past one, of your loved one. It's the visual imagery of your loved one, and it talks to you because the QR code will sync to the telly. So at any point you want to say, oh, play the funeral video, play a testimonial, play uh, his life story, then that's what it's set up to do. So we're trying to think of every eventuality that allows you to create perpetuity with a loved one and to pass that on. Or add yourself to it. So our wall is not just about single entombment. It's about capsules that can take up to four in one. And then you can make four into eight. And then you can, like a big, massive game of lexicon, you can move the caskets around so that your, your family collective stay together. So it starts with affinity. If somebody's got an affinity to that golf course or that lovely piece of recreational space... That's probably where they want to go. But then you've got an affinity to them. So my wife's father will start life and has ended life and will be laid to rest in Letchworth Golf Club. His long-suffering wife, who unfortunately gave most of his adult life to Letchworth Golf Club, will then join him. And then I want to join my wife, who will join her mum, and so on and so forth, until you've got a family, a lovely rural idyll to visit somewhere. Now, to some it's walking up the 18th and a nod to Grandad, and to others it will be a special trip, say you pay your respects, go and have a coffee in the clubhouse, and it's a more practical revisitation process that isn't exhumed with the sort of dour circumstance that going back to a graveyard or a crematorium or a memory garden is and unfortunately the statistics will bear that out in terms of how often graves are visited um, so that's where we're at now you know we have we thought it through yes you're saying uh, sometimes when you're looking at a commodity to fill a plug plug a gap in a market wow that's a devilish, very devilish task because i've been in this for now five years and we're launching next year and in five years we've had to look into everything from the legalities so negotiating with the government, going through government procurement, going through worldwide international property rights, stress testing, civil engineering, etc., etc. Each one of those can become a pitfall, can trip you up. But because of the my faith in the sort of house martin um, that pulled me from the start mm. as an image, a vision of what I wanted, I'm determined to get it over the line. I have to say, at this juncture with the exception of one guest who didn't stop speaking from start to finish. This is the least amount I've ever spoken on the podcast. I'm sat here, people can't see me, but I'm sat here literally with my jaw open. I've already learnt loads of things that I didn't know before. And actually, having pre-prepared a number of questions in my mind, you've answered pretty much all of them. Because I was going to talk to you a little bit about, you know, people have become very familiar with and, and very focused on green environmental protection and all the other things that go with it. 
the inevitable conversation around cost and is it is it sustainable is it affordable for the average family but the other thing i was interested to know is you know you can't just put these things up everywhere so how do you go about getting relevant permissions and yeah. are, are there some obstacles to overcome there as well there certainly are i mean my uh, strategy was to, to liaise with the government because government land tends to stay government land. So if I'm offering people at least a 100-year lease and a wall, uh, I want to know it's going to stay as open space. So having started off with the Secretary of State, referred to the Mayor of London under London plan to find more space for burial, entombment and scatterings, uh, I was referred to the Lee Valley Regional Park Authority that owned 26 miles of land between the East India Docks and Wareside in North Hertfordshire. And they've got fabulous amount of space to such an extent that they were given a government levy of 32 million a year to stage the uh, Olympics and the Olympic Park is their legacy. But they're always looking for more ideas which retains the land as ostensibly open space but provides a public amenity because if you surround that green space in the east of London, and this is the first that they're looking at, um, the likelihood is that's your nirvana because the urbanisations that surround it are pretty dense. Mm. very multicultural uh, and because the land was basically donated to um, London as landfill post the Blitz so there's only so much you can do on it as a 17 tonne loading limit because of all the culverts of, of rain and um, rain wash and canals and river systems that run through the land so we have to create something that's not too heavy now the beauty of the stainless steel that we use it, it displaces its weight fantastically it's not like stone or marble so here they are saying here's 26 miles of land run up and down our estate find the bits that have not only the the demographics but the catchment in terms of the mortality rates of the different boroughs don't have viable alternatives um as i mentioned one mm. tower hamlets off mm -hmm. you go to warwickshire um, and you can find some interesting spaces so we did a feasibility study came back with 10 sites and said there's a wonderful one here in a bird sanctuary there's a beautiful one by the whitewater rafting center there's an old swimming pool we used to have in broxbourne that's been backfilled that could take x thousand units and it also provides the government, because we would share the revenue with the government, um, bearing in mind their levy has been reduced since the Olympics from 32 to 9 million. And the fulfilment of the order that they've placed with this is 100,000 caskets, pays back 140 million into the government purse. So there's no real losers here. Um, we've been offered the opportunity to do a pilot site in. Um, Broxbourne Lido that we described, which would be a 30,000 unit pilot site, which would play into northern home counties and the Waltham Forest, Waltham Cross, that sort of area, pulling that sort of mortality rate that's about 176,000. Um, and we feel we can deliver that within six months. Why do we think that? I mean, that seems very aggressive. Because let's just take the normal legacy or normal affinity to public space is expressed by things called public uh, sorry park benches now a park bench is a very inanimate inanimate thing normally mm. um best you're going to have a little brass plaque which says at the back oh reg loved this view and came here every day which is lovely mm. but does it have the resonance of the entombed remains of a loved one in terms of you to pulling you to revisit um, the other thing is, because of this wonderful thing called health and safety, the government doesn't like to provide them. So currently for the Lee Valley Regional Park Authority, 112,000 people sit on a waiting list for their park bench. Their park bench is going to cost them £3,500 for a wooden bench. You could probably get it at Argus for 50 
Uh, it's going to cost you about 10% of that per annum to maintain, uh, assuming that it doesn't get vandalised or the, the wear and tear or all of those awful insidious things. Um, so we were allowed under G, you know, the data protection, we were allowed to speak to a representative sample of 112,000, and 86% said we would go to your system immediately. If it was a, it's much more attractive, it saves us a lot of money and it's much more emotive than the bench mm. plus the stored urn. Because the other thing we have to say about urns is we're talking about 8 million in people's sheds and attics. That is an astonishing number. But worse than that, this is the, the, the killer for me, 50% don't get picked up from the funeral director. That is amazing. Yeah, that's staggering. So in any one month, you've got a funeral director gently ringing up the surviving relative saying, when will you be along to pick it up? And the normal response is, either they're waiting for somebody else to pass, uh, and then they're going to do something with both, or they want, they're still checking out their options and have been stupefied by the costs. The normal costs... Just to, to uh, bury an urn, bearing in mind you now have to bury the urn, you're talking about 10-year lease, 2,500, 10% maintenance, any planting in, in, uh, that you might require in and around the, the plot, uh, any headstone that you may require on the plot. So by the time you've done your 10 years, you've spent what would you cost you 100 with me. And then the cost of renewal is falling always on the surviving relatives, mm. which is often difficult for people who haven't made provisions. I mean, if you, you only have to be housebound and watch daytime advertising, and a lot of it is to do with funeral plans. Uh, and a lot of them are fraudulent plans because they're selling you something at a cost that when somebody does pass, we don't know whether that will cover it. They're also selling plots that they don't have because mm. the land is diminishing. The, the prediction is within five years we'll have sold out of all current available burial space in London. So the, these things are on the horizon and we want ours to be up there as a viable, evocative alternative that is pertinent, where there's real affinity um, and that people will revisit, not just physically by walking the dog and saluting the wall, but visiting the site or checking out the app and coming away going, oh, good old granddad, because often people don't discover granddad until they hear the eulogy and they go, yeah. oh, I never knew he did that. So that's what we're trying to do. I've got three children in their 20s who sit there all day on the phone. I think when I go, they'll find out what I did. <laughs> So clearly, I mean, this is this has all the potential that I think it sounds obvious to me, at least, that um, that this has. But obviously, sustainable business opportunity as well. Uh, this is at the moment an, an embryonic idea, albeit it's now got four or five years worth of, of traction, and you go to the market for want of a better expression, as you say, uh, in the very near future. Is this something that you see becoming a global? thing because it sounds to me as if this has unlimited potential yes you would have thought so I and mean, we've had a lot of interest from areas of i mean most notably hong kong now uh, we talk about burial just as a sort of current available option normally in the uk cemeteries when cemeteries get full they don't exhume anymore they will bury two three bodies on top of each other hong kong it's 30 uh Ireland, for example, has been totally against cremation. They now have two crematoriums. They're just coming around to the, 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 the idea that there is limited space um, and that 
one of our walls installed saves 10 acres of land. One of our walls installed stops 50,000 contaminated gallons of what is now called contaminated waste going into the ecosystem. And the irony is, years ago, people used to go to the football club and we all spread granddad in the goal mouth. Mm. Well, <laughs> it was killing the goal mouth, you know, and it's uh, those things are just not available anymore. So there's some quirky ones out there, and good luck, and, and I wouldn't decry anybody's belief about being human slurry or being part of a tree or going up into international airspace or being dumped off the back of a boat because that's all the things you can now do legally. It is a crime to scatter your ashes, and we've all fallen foul of it in the past, in anything other than private land with the owner's permission, um, or that's it. <laughs> Wow. So um, I, I can't believe 30 minutes has come and gone already. I've got a couple of questions I need to ask you. Mm. We might have to get you back and dissect this even more because I have, I have literally been sat here open mouth. First question, very important because we're going to get absolutely swamped, I know, with requests for more information. How do people, without the need to bombard me with emails, how do they find out a little bit more about Steve and what he's doing and this amazing new business that you're launching, website, social media presence, with all those other things you've just mentioned, QR codes and technology, there's got to be something out yes, there. Yes, there, there is a website, uh, www.housemartin.org, and that's our pre-launch website. At the moment, we are taking uh, orders. The um, We have a private launch for Letchworth Golf Club and the public launch subject to, unfortunately, the clarification post-Brexit because we won our public procurement through a EU-based tender. Right. Uh, they're now having to revisit that just in case there is an alternative. There isn't, I can mm. assure you. There, there are a number of people that have looked into sports stadia-based entombment systems. Um, that's not my vision. My vision is something that's based within a rural setting that you would go to without any sort of passionate, noisy opposing fans mm. causing you, mm. you know, intruding on your grief. Um, so, yes, the, those systems are out there. But our system, as it stands at the moment, with all the derivations that I discussed and options I discussed, uh, it's an ever-evolving proposition that's on our website. Um, we have promised the government the launch, so we're kind of hamstrung a little bit because uh, they want to be the ones taking it to market and we'll be a, very much a sub-brand of their endeavour, but... I don't mind that. Hmm. It's the, the, in going through the DG, the due diligence that they put us through in compliance systems, et cetera, et cetera. It's stress tested us going forward. We know we can go with impunity to the marketplace. And yes, there'll be some plagiarization, hmm. but there needs to be because we'll never be able to fulfill every sure. corner of every village. And I think these things will be like um, you know, people have moaned about wind turbines, but I just see them as today's windmill. You know, we don't hmm. look at windmills and go, aren't they ugly? We just see them as a necessity and that, yeah. these walls will pop up. And the, the thing is, they don't have to be, um, and you'll see some of the visualisations and renders on our website, they don't have to be boring. We, we're dealing with uh, trampesiums and quadrants and crosses and um, things that are even made in the shape of a house martin bird, so you could have a position within a wing. Uh, the only limitation is is imagination. We just want to get the first one out there in the marketplace, we know we have a consumer demand. We know that we have expressions of interest from a number of consumers that would very quickly fill the first 
two launch sites, and that in itself should create enough momentum um, for them to become, you know, as you say, worldwide, absolutely. But for the moment, we're completely yeah. focused on the UK, uh, and then at that point, we may be, you know, franchising mm. off some territories that we couldn't service because, yes, we could become a victim of um, our own success. We know that when we launched the government one, we've contracted a call centre with like 600 staff because we wouldn't be able to cope. Once that goes out there because it's very affordable and it's viable and there aren't alternatives, we could become the victim of our own success. But at the moment, as I say, we're poised for that launch, subject to green light from the people that have Well, it's a great idea. I wish you well. I've got one final question. We're going to have to keep this very brief, if Mm. we may. You've mentioned you've got children. Great. Uh, Youngest one, let's imagine, comes up to you one day, says, Dad, uh, you've got decades of experience. You've done all these amazing things, and now you've got this great idea that's going to go stratospheric. One single piece of advice to help me on my way in life, what would Dad give to youngest or oldest son uh, before they set off out into the big wide world? Uh, it's interesting because we have that my 22-year-old and I have that conversation all the time. Um, the important thing is to be true to yourself. That <laughs> you, know, you cannot fake it anymore. I, we live in a land where everybody's angry about something, everybody's complaining about something, and you've got to ignore it. You know, I, I even with the proposition that we're talking about, we're talking about death, people think it's sacrosanct, they think you shouldn't talk about it, you think it's stigmatised. It isn't. And for the minor percentage that we offend... I'm sorry. But the reason it's a good idea is because you are dealing with it. Yeah. Isn't it, by definition? Uh, Exactly. And my talk about... We literally had a funeral for my father-in-law that started off very sombre and finished off with Morecambe Wise, bring me sunshine, everybody clapping and laughing, and, and that's what it should be. It's a celebration of life, not the morning of the death. The death is the last chapter. Why would you forget the 99% that was good mm. because of some illness or old age that yeah. brought that life to an end? Love it. Okay. Steve Rockle, I have to say, that was... Uh, well, no one can, can ever accuse me of not having a diverse range of guests on this on this show. So thank you for adding perspective to a number of things, but also, I think, opening our eyes to, you know, what is clearly a fairly major problem, a massive gap in the market, and kudos to you for what you've done, because, you know, you've put five years of your life into, into building this. So um, on behalf of everyone listening, and there's many of them, uh, we wish you continued success in all that you're doing, uh, and I'm sure there will be calls for you to come back thank you well thank you for joining us on the sandro forte podcast what what can i say about steve rockle was absolutely fascinating terrific each week we have a new guest joining us so do join us for insights into achieving success or overcoming life's challenges please make sure you subscribe follow us on social media sandro's podcast don't forget same on all channels and if you want to email us you can do it's hello at sandrospodcast.com and please remember two other things to connect with me sandro forte it's the real sandro forte on instagram sandro forte elsewhere and please leave those reviews on itunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future and please don't forget to join us next week bye for now